Happy GYC. It's certainly good to be here. My wife and I flew from Indonesia last Friday. We're, we're, I think we're about half the globe away. It took us 36 hours. We got to Atlanta, stayed around Chattanooga, Collegedale area for a few days, drove here from there, another 12 hours. So I expect good things to happen here, amen? All right. <clears throat> we're missionaries from Indonesia. We're Indonesian, we're not American. We live there, born and raised there. So excuse our English. <laughs> we're called to share testimony here during this week. We believe the things that we're going to be talking about, you can relate. Because at the end of the day, we're all seeking for one same thing, right? Salvation. But... There's always one thing that's hindering us. It's our own life and flesh. So we want to talk about something that might feel like I'm stepping on your toes, but uh, I hope you wear steel-toe boots. <laughs> I want to talk about prosperity. I want, to talk about, I want to talk about money. Because we know the love of money is the root of all evil but we still want the whole tree. I want to bring you a quote that, uh, that's found in Mrs. White's writing. Okay. It's found in um, CS. What is CS? Council of Stewardship. It's, it's a strong book. Page 148, paragraph 1. It says this. Affliction and adversity may cause much inconvenience and may bring great depression. But it is prosperity that is dangerous to spiritual life. Wow. What is dangerous to spiritual life? Prosperity. When I found this writing, I'm like, wow. But this is the very thing that we're all struggling to achieve. We have prosperity in mind when we go to college. We have prosperity in mind when we start career, right? We have prosperity in mind that is our main destination once we start establishing businesses. Our prosperity is the reason why we even marry somebody. Prosperity is sometimes the reason why we establish churches. Prosperity is the reason why we have ministries sometimes. So this prosperity thing, even though it's great, we, we all need to be prosper, prosperous, right? But there's something that she's trying to remind us. There's a danger that's lurking behind our desire to be prosperous. I was guilty myself. I was born in Seventh-day Adventist Church. I was raised in Seventh-day Adventist. I did all this young Seventh-day Adventist young people did. Played the music, 
did the Sabbath school, all the Pathfinder, all these good things, right? My daddy kept saying, you know what, son? Jesus is coming soon. But in the meantime, go get your money. Send me to school only for the purpose of what? Becoming successful. Because they all say, once you're successful, you have a lot of money. Life is good. You got nothing to worry about. You can help church. <laughs> and then I remember going to college. I graduated from college. I, I, I lived in California for six, oh no, seven years or eight years back in the 90s, 200 years ago. <laughs> I remember finishing college. Somebody asked me for a challenge. This guy said, hey, you know what? Now that we've graduated, let's raise. Who's going to get the first million dollar in the bank? It's, it's, it's quite a raise. I didn't think anything of it. But, you know, I, I, something about this guy, I didn't like him. So I took the challenge. So that thing stayed in the back of my mind forever, for years. You know, when I started my career, when I started establishing my businesses, there's always that one guy in the back of my mind that I had to defeat. The whole life I had to prove I can beat that guy. Do you feel like that sometimes? You feel like you have to prove to somebody, you have to prove to your family, you got to prove to your friends that you can make it, and then you don't realize that is the driving force. To the point that you don't think about anything else but money. I was 28. I started establishing my business. I had a good concession from the government to run a few things, moving goods here and there, in and out. I started manufacturing some goods. I got into a good business, good partners. And then I, when I was 28, 29, I looked at my bank account. After I have all the houses, all the cars paid for, properties, I looked at my bank. I got a lot more than a million dollars in my bank. I'm going to call up that guy. Actually, the guy came. I picked him up with a nice $200,000 car. I think um, picked him up. He came. And then it felt so good when he said, you know what? I never made that million dollar. I think you beat me. And then you know what? That felt so good. You know, when it's, 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 it's good when somebody tries to size you up. They look at you, try to size you up and everything, and then you show what kind of power you have. And then the guy sort of like a, like a dog with a tail tucked in behind his back, right? That felt good. But that is not godly. In 2008, I decided to do something else. I became missionary. We were in our, how many years were we married? Five years. My wife didn't buy it. But, uh, you know, this, uh, the work of the ministry we can share. Um, we, we, in Indonesia, we have a television, uh, satellite television ministry broadcasting over all of Indonesia, it's as big as the United States, the continent. 
but we have a booth right there. When you go, to, go outside, it's just on the right side. We're with Jesus for Asia. But what we want to talk about is not about reaching out to God's people, but how God is reaching out to us. The story, my wife and I, we, uh, what's the time now? Oh, okay. My wife and I, we have a little story to tell you. Six years, be- no, six months before we got married, <clears throat> you know, the title of the, today's testimony is, So You Asked. That's the title today. So You Asked, Now What? Six months before we got married, I remember clearly, I was a good Seventh-day Adventist. I had all the money. To my own capacity, I had enough for myself. You know, there's a lot more people with like billions of dollars, whatever, yeah. But I was so happy with my own self where I was. I needed one thing. I needed a wife. (laughs) Because they say wife could fix you. So I was praying. This is about six months before I got married. I was praying to the Lord, Lord, I think I have everything I want in my life. But I think I need a partner because my life is a mess. I think a wife could fix me. I remember when I was praying like that, it was New Year's, just like this weekend. I held up my Sabbath school. It was a new Sabbath school, right? You know, we have Sabbath school, right? Young people, you travel around with your Sabbath school? <laughs> I was holding up my Sabbath school. I was somewhere in Europe. We, we got a car. We drove down from Spain all the way to Morocco, Algeria, all the way just touring around and spending money, having fun. But something in the back of my mind tells me it was New Year's Eve as if God is telling me, hey, you go back to your room. No more party tonight. Come talk to me. So I went to my room, I opened my luggage, you know, I brought my Bible and my Sabbath school, although I never read it, I read it now. And then I said to my Lord, Lord, I need a wife. I need somebody to fix me ASAP because I know I'm going downhill spiritually here. So I held up my Sabbath school, I said, Lord, Lord, if you are... Almighty, I know you can bring me somebody. So I held up the Sabbath school. I challenged God, bring me somebody to get baptized before this Sabbath school expires. So I look at the back of the Sabbath school. Oh, it's 26 March. Lord, I know how to find girls. I don't know how to find wives. So it was January, February, March. Nothing was happening. I remember my prayer like two and a half months ago. I, I specifically asked for somebody to get baptized, somebody from, I don't know, somebody that kind of clicked uh, my desire, whatever. And then um, in the mid-March, this woman here, I was supposed to meet up with her. It was the last weekend of March, I remember. I said, Lord, you're not answering my prayer. But it was a weekend after the Sabbath school expired. Our church were on a way to go on a retreat. Right? And then I was supposed to meet up with Sandy. Sandy was a, just like a social friend. She was somebody else's girlfriend at the time. But we like to hang out. We like to, you know, we were in the same society. And then I said, hey, you know what? I don't think I can hang out with you. Because why? Because I have a church retreat that I have to go to. What is that? 
you know, our church go out to a picnic and everything, you know, twice, three times a year. Oh, that's interesting. So I have to go because I, I am in charge for the, for the event and I'm the, 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 the head of the deacon. And then so we, we, I told her, look, we cannot meet up this weekend. And then she said, can I come to your church? I said, you want to come to my church? I said, ah. I'm like, all right. I asked the people in my church, hey, I got a friend who wants to come to join our retreat. And can she come? And the pastor and everybody says, yeah, sure, bring her. So I took her to the retreat, and then we had, like, you know, a nice weekend together. And then uh, all Sabbath day, singing, whatever, studying, talking. At the end of the Sabbath, the sundown, Saturday night, when everybody's just cheering, Sandy went up to the pastor. Hey, pastor, can I talk to you? Pastor said, okay, come. You were talking in the corner. Sandy was talking to the pastor. I don't know what they were talking about, but it seemed to be intense. And then a few minutes later, pastor called me. Hey, psst. what's up? Your friend here, she wants to get baptized. Oh. You know what? I said to the Lord, Lord, I asked you for a wife, but not like this woman. Why is that? I'll tell you something about her. She was dating somebody at the time. Serious relationship with somebody. That guy is not just a millionaire. The guy was a billionaire. She was dating this guy who was so rich, so in serious relationship with him. And then I said to my Lord, Lord, if I were to find a wife, it's definitely not somebody like her. You know, you can imagine somebody who's dating a, a billionaire, what kind of spending habit she would have, right? But I said, Lord, if it is your will, I've got a few more days here. <laughs> I look at my Sabbath school. It ain't happening in seven days, Lord, right? <laughs> and then, no, the discussion got real, really intense that night. Pastor said, let's meet up in your office on Monday. Okay. So we decided to come to my office on Monday. We're, we're like praying, we're talking, and then, and then the pastor said, are you ready to get baptized? Yes, I want to get baptized this week, pastor. We wait until Sabbath. No, 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 this week. It has to happen this week. For some reason, she, she was insisting that she got baptized that, that week. And then she said, she, she called up the church board, said, right, we're going to baptize Sandy on Wednesday. Is that okay? Oh, the church board says, yeah, no problem. We all go to the shore outside Jakarta on the northern coast of uh, where we live, the city. And then she got baptized on a Wednesday, two days before the book expired. <laughs> what a journey it has been. It was not rainbow and butterfly. It was lots of trials and tribulations. She was not a marriage quality before. Well, praise the Lord, we've come a long way, right, Sandy? She was not a missionary before. Neither was I. We're going to tell you about it tomorrow. But for now, I'm going to let her talk. <laughs> Go ahead, Sandy. Okay. It's time to revenge, right? <laughs> okay, I'm going to use my bahasa, which is Indonesian language, and my husband will translate. Yay! <laughs> Okay, selamat, malam, selamat siang semuanya. Good afternoon, everyone. 
Saya mau bercerita siapa diri saya sebelum Tuhan menemukan saya. I want to tell you a story about my life before God found me. Kenapa saya ingin bercerita tentang hidup saya? Why do I feel like uh, it, it's good, great to tell the stories about my life? Bukan untuk meninggikan diri saya. It's not to exalt self. Tapi kita perlu melihat bahwa kita menyembah Tuhan yang hidup. But we all need to see that we are serving the living God. Kita perlu melihat bahwa Tuhan akan dapat menemukan Anda. We're going to see that God can come and actually find you. Meskipun Anda berada di tempat yang mungkin tidak menurut Anda Anda tidak bisa ditemukan oleh. Even though you think you are in a place where you don't think God will ever ever find you. Saya ber, saya tumbuh dari keluarga yang tidak mengenal Tuhan. I grew up in a family who did not know God. Saya tumbuh dari society yang tidak mengenal Tuhan. I grew up in a society that that's godless. Saya dibesarkan untuk menjadi seseorang yang hanya menikmati kenyamanan dan uang. So I was raised in a family with values only for me to enjoy comforts of life and money. Saya yang matu matu kecil. When I was small. Kalau saya lari. When I was just running around. Saya bermain dengan anak-anak. Playing with my my friends. Bapak saya dan ibu saya selalu marah. My dad, my mama would would be angry. Karena kenapa? Why? Karena mereka make sure bahwa saya tidak terjatuh. Because they had to make sure I did not fall down. Karena kulit saya harus halus. Because skin had to be nice and smooth. Kulit saya harus sempurna. The skin had to be perfect. Gigi saya juga harus sempurna. Oh, teeth had to be maintained well. Semuanya harus sempurna dari atas sampai bawah. Everything had to be perfect from top to bottom. Untuk apa? Why? Kalau suatu hari, because one day kamu harus menikah dengan orang kaya. You're gonna marry somebody rich. Orang kaya suka sesuatu yang sempurna. Oh, rich people like everything perfect in women. Jadi saya tumbuh mempunyai pemikiran seperti itu. So I grew up with a value like that. Saya tidak pernah punya cita-cita untuk menjadi seorang istri pelayan Tuhan. I never desire to be a wife of a minister of the Lord or a missionary. Tetapi di dalam hati saya, but in, in my heart, saya selalu mencari. I was always seeking. Apakah hidup seperti ini Tuhan? Is this the life that you designed for me to live? Saya rasa hidup ada dari ada jauh dari apa yang saya lihat. I know there's a life that is beyond what I see. Tapi sayangnya saya tidak bertemu dengan pintu yang di mana pintu itu akan membawa saya untuk mengenal Tuhan. But all of my life I couldn't find the door through which I can enter into the life that you designed me to live. Saya membuang uang. So I was just spending money. Saya menjadi uh, kebanggaan di dalam keluarga saya. I came to become the pride of my family. Kemanapun saya pergi, uh, anywhere I would go, semua orang ingin menjadi seperti saya. Oh, they, everybody seemed to, like, to want to be like me. Dan saya menjadi seorang ratu dimanapun saya berada. I felt like I was becoming a queen anywhere I go. Di sekolah saya, in the school, saya menjadi orang yang terkenal. Oh, I became somebody famous. Di pekerjaan saya, in my work, I became somebody famous. Di hidup saya, in my life, semua orang tahu saya. Everybody seemed to know me. Tapi di saat saya pulang, but when I go home, saya menjadi orang yang sangat hancur. I became somebody who was really broken. Saya tidak tahu bagaimana mencari kebenaran. I don't know how to find the truth. Saya setiap kali pulang saya menangis terus. I go home and start crying. Saya katakan saya tidak tahu bagaimana saya minta tolong. I I I said I don't know how to seek help. Tetapi saya tahu bahwa saya diciptakan oleh Tuhan. But I know that God created me for a purpose. Yang suatu hari pasti akan menolong dan menemukan that saya. That one day he's going to rescue me to take me out of that life. 
sehingga saya bertemu dengan suami saya. So that's why I met my husband. Dan Ramon menjadi jawaban doa dan puasa saya. He became also my answer to my prayer. Saat saya berada di lingkungan itu. So when I was in that society, saya selalu berdoa. I was also praying. Tuhan temukan saya dengan jodoh saya. Lord bring me somebody uh, my 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 Has, future husband. My future husband. Yang dapat menemuk yang dapat mendekatkan saya kepada engkau. Somebody that can bring me closer to you. Jadi itu permintaan saya. That was really my request. Saya mempunyai pacar yang punya segalanya. I had a boyfriend who had everything. Umur saya waktu itu 20 tahun. I was only like 20, 21. Saya 20. bisa mempunyai private jet. Oh, I was uh, ready to have like my private jet. Saya cuma tinggal tunjuk kemanapun saya mau pergi. I just choose anywhere I want to go. Tapi saya tidak bahagia. But I wasn't happy. Saya katakan, Tuhan tolong saya. Uh, I said, Lord help me. Temukan saya dengan sesuatu yang tidak mampu dibeli oleh uang. Lord, bring me somebody you know, to a situation that cannot be bought by money. Lalu saya bertemu dengan suami saya. And then I met my husband. Lalu pada saat itu saya bingung karena Tuhan ingin saya menikah dengan Ramon. But at the time I had no idea why God wanted me to marry him. Karena Ramon pada saat itu bukan orang yang bisa menurut saya yang bisa membawa saya mengenal Tuhan. Because he was not a godly man, he was not somebody that can bring me closer to God. Dia orang yang ada duit. Oh, he had some money too. Dia orang yang suka pesta-pesta. Oh, he's a party boy. Jadi saya kalau ketemu Ramon hanya pesta-pesta. So every time I meet him, it's like in a party environment. Tetapi saya percaya itulah yang ada di Alkitab mengatakan apakah ada sesuatu yang baik keluar dari Nazareth. But I believe when the Bible says, is there anything good that they will come out of Nazareth? Saya lah orang itu. I think I'm one of that person. Dan Tuhan janjikan bahwa Dia akan memberikan Roh Kudus kepada kita semua. And God promises He's going to give us a Holy Spirit to each one of us. Meskipun saya tumbuh tidak mengenal apa itu Alkitab. Although I grew up in a family that did not have any idea what the Bible is all Tapi about. Saya punya roh kudus, But I had the Holy Spirit. Roh kudus yang bahwa saya harus Ramon. The Holy Spirit was telling me that I had to marry this man. Dan saya ingin dengan orang ini. I don't know how. Am I supposed to marry this guy? Like saya this? And then why? Why was it so confusing to me? Karena saya takut dia tidak bisa saya. Because I was so afraid that this guy was not going to be able to provide everything that, that I needed. Bagaimana dia bisa provide saya punya maintenance di dalam hidup saya? I was so afraid how is he going to provide for everything my maintenance. Meskipun dan juga bagaimana saya bisa menikah karena Ramon ber, Ramon dari keluarga yang sangat aktif di dalam gereja. And, and then his family he's got all this good seven they have this family who's really active in the church. Saya enggak pernah bisa masuk ke gereja. And uh, that's not my thing there. Tapi di dalam kebingungan saya. But through all all this search Saya tetap memilih untuk menikah dengan I remain I, I, I took the answer I married him. Karena saya tahu kalau saya yang memilih pasti salah. Because I knew my choices were going to be wrong. Jadi saya serahkan kepada Tuhan untuk memilih so, buat saya. I was going to surrender my choices to him. Meskipun saya tidak pernah belajar Alkitab. Even though I had no idea what the Bible was all about. Tapi saya tahu bila dia yang memilih But dia I pasti knew benar. if he would make the choice dia pasti benar. He is always right. Saya menikah dengan suami saya. So I married him. Lalu saya menjadi orang yang sangat manja. So I became somebody who was really spoiled. Dia memanjakan saya begitu sangat luar biasa. So he actually was able to spoil me as well. Saya punya asisten. I had assistants. Yang di mana asisten saya akan menjaga saya. Oh, I had assistants to actually. Saya punya dua asisten. Babysit me. I have two of them. Kalau saya mau makan, 
Evita. Dia akan berikan makanan buat saya meskipun itu dari luar negeri sekalipun. Kalau wow. saya mau makan itu pada pagi hari, saya dia pastikan makanan itu ada untuk saya. Oh, well, I had assistance that I can send somewhere to even get food from somewhere and you know, fly somewhere and bring it back for lunch. Dan saya punya sesuatu yang di mana saya pergi kemanapun and orang I, akan melihat saya seperti ini. I have things that I I I, I own that made people go like every time they see me. Saya sudah mengikut Tuhan 11 tahun. So I've been with the Lord now 11 years. Sebelum itu saya menjadi wanita yang sangat luar biasa materialistis. I was a so materialistic uh, materialist materialistic woman. Saya punya saya nggak tahu ya di sini di Amerika tapi kalau di Indonesia di capital Jakarta. I don't know about here in America but uh, us in Jakarta. Jakarta sangat selektif. Dari from the bottom to the top, you need to make sure they use that you use something yang harganya mahal. Oh, people are so selective when they size you up. You have to make sure you have everything from top to bottom that that will make people respect you. Saya dulu pakai Hermes Birkin and Kelly bag. I don't know if you guys know that bag. I was walking around my 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 Hermes bag. And then I use my diamond, I use my watch. I just make sure di saat orang melihat saya, mereka akan like, wow. So all these things that we put on ourselves, that we own, we just wanted to make sure that everybody's just like going like, wow. Tetapi ternyata saya tidak bahagia pada saat itu. But we were not happy there. Di setiap kali saya pulang, Every time we went home, saya selalu menangis. We would cry. Dan asisten saya yang selalu melihat saya menangis. But my assistant was the one that actually uh, saw me. Dan asisten saya bertanya kenapa kamu menangis? And my assistant would be asking, why are you crying? Saya bilang sama asisten saya, kamu tidak tahu bagaimana rasanya menjadi saya. I say, you have no idea what it's like to be me. Saya punya segala sesuatu yang orang dunia inginkan. I think I have everything that all the worldly people Tapi would want. Tapi saya merasa sangat kering di dalam hidup saya. But I feel so dry in my life. Dan saya tidak tahu siapa yang akan membantu saya. But I don't know who's going to be able to help me. Sehingga suatu hari mertua saya mengatakan kepada saya, And then one day my parents, my mom-in-law told me, Ayo Sandy datang ke suatu acara seperti ini. Sandy come to a meeting. Like this. Meeting like this. Lalu saya datang. And then I came. Saya berpakaian karena abis itu saya mau pergi hangout. So I was all dressed up to the camp meeting because after that I was going to go out and have fun with my friends. Saya datang. I came to the meeting like this. Semua orang kaget. Everybody scared. I mean shocked. Karena semua orang tahu Sandy. Because a lot of people actually knew me. And then, kenapa si Andy datang di event seperti ini? Why would she even bother coming to a place like this? Lalu saya duduk. And then I sat down. Lalu saya ambil handphone saya. Then I I was uh, looking at my phone. I just give the signal for them that I'm not interesting with this kind of event. So you know, I'm playing with my phone. Lalu saya mendengar kesaksian demi kesaksian yang diberikan oleh suat oleh seorang pendeta dan juga misionaris itu. And then I was sitting down in the back and then I started listening to stories and testimonies given from the pulpit by pastors and all the missionaries. Saya main handphone. I was looking at my phone. Tapi telinga saya mendengar. But my ear was listening. Saya mulai saya mulai meletakkan handphone saya. I started to put my phone down. Saya mulai menangis. Started crying. Dan saya mulai mengatakan kepada Tuhan. I said one thing to the Lord. How come you love that person more than you love me, God? Why? I saying that because how come that person has that faith story, but I never had that faith story. 
I, I'm crying. I said, Lord, if you still love me, please give me the faith story at any cost. Kenapa saya bilang any cost? Why do I say at any cost? Karena pada saat itu saya siap bila saya harus memberikan seluruhnya kepada Tuhan. Because at that point I knew the consequences of following the Lord. It seemed like I had to sacrifice everything. Saya harus memberikan uang saya. And then God was going to take all the money that I had. Saya harus memberikan kenyamanan saya. God is going to take all the comforts that I had. Selama saya katakan selama saya bisa mengenal Engkau Tuhan. But somehow I said as long as I get to know you Lord. Saya akan lakukan itu. I'm going to do it. Karena saya berada di dunia yang tidak kenal Tuhan. Because I've been living in this world that did not know who you are. Dan Tuhan lihat orang itu Tuhan. And then look at those people Lord, I said. That people, that person. Yeah, look at that person. Dia tidak pakai apa-apa. Look at this guy has nothing on him. Lihat saya Tuhan dari ujung kaki hingga ujung kepala semuanya mahal. Oh, look at me from top my to, to bottom everything is expensive. Lihat mukanya dia Tuhan. But look at the 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 facial expression of that person. Mukanya capek. The, the, the face looks tired. Tapi kenapa ada bahag- kebahagiaan di mukanya Tuhan? But there is certain happiness in that face. Lihat saya Tuhan. But look at me Lord. Saya tidak bahagia. I'm not happy. Lalu saya katakan kepada Tuhan. And then I said to the Lord. Tuhan hari ini. Lord today. Saya ingin menginginkan hidup orang itu menjadi bagian di dalam kehidupan. I want the life that, that, that guy is living to become my life. And here I am now. Praise the Lord. Right? We serve a living God. All we need is what? All we need, just only ask now. Lord, I want to be like that. Lord, I want to have that faith. If you're willing and you let God to work in your heart and in your life, God will give you straight away and directly now. Dan akhirnya saya... Mempunyai hidup yang sangat luar biasa berjalan dengan Tuhan. And then the life had become different ever since walking with the Lord. Dulu saya hidup di mana uang mampu membeli sesuatu. And then I was living the life that money could buy everything. Tapi saya hidup di mana uang tidak bisa memprovide segala sesuatu. Now I live the life where money cannot just buy everything. Saya tidak pakai Hermes Birkin and Kelly bag anymore. I don't use my Hermes Kelly or Birkin bags anymore. I don't use my diamond anymore. I even look at my shoes, right? <laughs> I'm a madam before. I was a madam. Everywhere I go, people know me. And then before, I buying things with my gold. Have you seen gold before? Gold is like this size. I bring gold, like three of them, put inside my bag. Everywhere I go, I just get my gold. And that's it. I pay for anything that I want. Deposit. <laughs> I deposit. And then everywhere I go, they know who is Shandy. But now, my God knows me better than the world knows me. You know, brother and sister, I don't know what's inside your heart. Today, God asking you, when God beside in Peter, and God says, Peter, come. That's the words come from God when God says to me, Shandy, come. And God says, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Now, a lot of people are wondering, 
what exactly kind of life are you living now? It's been 11 years. There's so many stories. It's probably not enough for us to share the whole thing in this week, right? But um, <clears throat> God is really, really good. I remember a verse um, in Matthew 6, 31. The Bible says this. Take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we, what, what shall we wear? All these questions, all these things are sought after by the Gentiles. Who's a Gentile? Oh, it's people who are not Seventh-day Adventists. People who do not, people who are not yet baptized. If we still worry today what we wear, what we drink, what we, what we, what we, what we eat, guess who the Gentile is? Another translation of the Bible is, the, those, that are, those are the things that are sought after by people who do not know me. Why is that? Because the knowledge of Christ surpasses everything that the world can offer you. We have a video, I think, um, we want to show you. Actually, this video is made by our missionary friend who came to Indonesia to visit. Growing up a Christian, you know, there's something in the back of my mind that we're here to bring the gospel to people. You have to become a witness. But for many, many years, even after baptism, I still had no idea what it really meant. So I was just pursuing this one aspect of life, going after money, chasing the dreams that everybody else is chasing. And I, I finally came to the point where I, I think I, I had everything I wanted. You know, everything was um, so easily accessible. Everything that I wanted to buy, we wanted to buy. Uh, we, we could buy anywhere we wanted to go, we could go. And then I got reminded of uh, my true calling, what it means uh, to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of bothered me again. Throughout our lives, well, we, we understand, we're feeling that there's these two conflicting things that we're, we're living, but uh, there, there's no happiness, there's a void. Yes, you get everything, but at the same time, I know uh, I wasn't really experiencing the, the fullness of life. So I decided, Lord, I want to uh, uh, journey onto this something that is different. I know there's a, something that is deeper in calling that, that you said is going to be more satisfying than the, 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 the life that I'm living now. So, of course, this is something that um, in the beginning my wife wasn't really uh, buying yet. Before I have, my religious is uh, money, business <laughs> and my God is money. People say like if you have a lot of money and if you, if you become a success and you, you know, that is the happiness over there. And I'm searching, you know. But after I get to that point, you know, the happiness is not there. When I was feeling the void, mm -hmm. she was also feeling it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I, I started to realize, um, oh, God is going to fill this void. It was a tough two, three years journey. <laughs> and then she, she finally came to me and she said, um, what did you say? <laughs> yeah, just let's go. <laughs>
behind us is a uh, city of Jakarta. That's where we live down there. It's only two hours south of Jakarta, but it's a completely different life. We're living amongst the villagers who are really, really poor. Now, for me, like life is matter about how you share happiness to other people and how you see the smile from them. Because, you know, through you, maybe God sent you to become the bridge for them. And then through you, you give them the kelepasan is what? Uh, the relief. The relief. And then they can smile, they can cry because, you know, you become the answer of their prayer. And then that is the happiness, I feel. <laughs> well, I, I think that's why Apostle Paul says, if, uh, uh, want to me if I don't preach the gospel. Meaning, we come here to this village to help people. But in the end, it's actually we're being helped. Yeah, you know. That's why it's, it's, it's good to work for the Lord. Not because uh, God needs you to reach out to them, but you know, God wants to reach out to you. People wonder why we remain in this work, uh, making all the sacrifices, uh, living the life that's completely different than before. We even tell them that we do it all over again if we have to. Uh, because every time we think we're making sacrifices, and then in the end, it's, it's God that comes through for you, for us. In Matthew 10, verse 10, it says, you know, if you work, you shall get a reward. I always thought, you know, you work for the Lord, God's going to give you money. No, it's not all about money. I think a lot of it has to do uh, with the knowledge of, of who He is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, the depth of knowing Christ, it just surpasses any, anything that the world can offer you. It gives you a, a different life, a life of happiness, a life of uh, fulfillment. This is the happiness that I'm searching before in my life. That's right. And now I have it. And I don't want I don't want this happiness to go away from me. I just want to keep this happiness forever in my life. There's um, in Matthew 13:44, uh, the Bible says, "Heaven is likened unto a man who goes out to the field and search and digs and finds a treasure, and then he buries it. He goes home with all the joy." He sells everything he has to buy that field. You know, there's different happiness here. What is a happiness? Is it really having all these uh, belongings before he finds that treasure? Or is it really the, the, the treasure that defines the happiness? And a lot of people think happiness is owning all the houses, everything, all the cars and all the expensive. But, you know, God says happiness is here. The treasure that you can only find when you're in the field. You have to dig first. Field means you have to work for the Lord and then you can find the true treasure and then none of that is worth it anymore. What does that mean knowing Christ? I had no idea what Christ is like. Even though I grew up in a church, I became the youth leader, I became the elder, I became the everything in church position I, I, I took. I did not know Jesus until I started working for Him. When you started to dedicate your life to Christ, you know what happened? He's going to take you. My wife said she was so ready to, to lose everything. Did we lose everything? Yes, we did. I had to stay in many losses as soon as I started following the Lord. I had some lawsuits against me. My partner cheated on me. Somebody ran away with my money. 
Oh, so many stories. In the beginning few years, becoming a missionary, it was so hard. But there was actually the second mile we're going to talk about tomorrow. But I want to tell you a story, what I mean by knowing Christ. A few years ago, I got invited to speak in Europe. I don't have to tell you which country, in case they're watching. I got invited to speak to Europe, right? At the time, I was not financially prepared to go to Europe. Because they said, well, what do you come? You and you have family, you come and, uh, you know, just uh, come. We invite you. Speak to our church. I'm like, okay. We provide everything. We'll pay you back everything, all the tickets, transfer, transportation, all that. I'm like, okay, um, all right. Even if you have no budget, I can work with it. But no, 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 no. We're going to pay everything. Are you sure? Okay. So we went. Cut the long story short. The meeting was over. We were all in Europe, me, my wife, and my family. I think there was a mistake there. I was expecting something what they promised. Just, um, they gave me a check. It was an envelope. We said goodbye. We drove down, and then we had to spend like some time in Europe. You know, we're in television ministry. We want to stop by in Waldensian Valley, you know, in northern Italy to make videos of the persecuted church. I had to stop by one week before I had to fly back to Jakarta. So at that time, I realized when I opened the envelope, it was $300. I was expecting $5,000 or something, but I think it was a mistake here. Should I call? Should I uh, tell them that there is a mistake? No, you know what? You don't have to call. To cut the long story short, I was in Milan. No, I was in northern Italy. I realized I had $180 left. I had 180 euros, almost the same. Eh? I stayed. Anybody been to northern Italy to see the... All right. You go to church in Torre Pelice. There's a woman there named Danielle. I stayed at Danielle's place. I said, Danielle, can I stay at your house? Yeah, Sure. We stayed for three days. We ate her food. She took us around. After three days staying at her house, she was a simple lady. She was a missionary, a poor missionary. She said, Ramon, you mind using my holy towel? What is a holy towel? She's got a towel that's got holes in it. <laughs> anyway. And then after three days, I said, Danielle, it's, about, it's time for us to go home. Can I give you some money to pay you back for the electricity that we used? She said, no. Are you sure? No, no, I'm happy to serve another fellow missionary. But please take this 100, 100 euro. It's not a lot. Even though I had like 180 left, I was persistent. And then she said, okay, I take it. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I had 80 euros left in my pocket. But I said, Lord, don't give me money. Give me faith. Have mercy. And then she said, Ramon, I take the money. Wait here. I want to give you something. She runs to the room. She comes out with the envelope. I have U.S. dollars here. Can you exchange? I said, well, how much is it? I don't know. It's a, it's a, you open it. It's 5,000 U.S. dollars. Exchange. Okay. Can I bring it back to Indonesia? I'll transfer you what, what you in euro. No, 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 no. Exchange it with the good work that you're doing in Indonesia. What do you mean? The money's for you. A poor lady gave me $5,000. She said, three years ago, 
a man from America gave me this $5,000. I know it wasn't my money. You walked into my door. It was your family. I know God impressed upon me. The money is yours. That's the kind of God we serve. We're going to continue tomorrow. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we serve a living God. What an awesome uh, God you are that we serve. Take us by the hand, Lord. We may be afraid, but the kind of life that you want us to live is a life in spirit, not a life of flesh. Lord, there may be somebody in this room who's de- desiring to live a new life. Take the person by the hand, Lord. Give him a new life. Give her a new life. The life that you've given me and my wife is such a beautiful life. And we desire for you to give each one of us in this room. I know we're afraid, Lord. But you promise, if you believe, we'll see the glory of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC Conference Nothing in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take sacrificial initiative for Christ and to see Jesus finish the work in this generation. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.